Peace and blessings. Welcome back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge. And we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. I am unconditioned and unlimited. I am indivisible duality. I am your host, Emmanuel Williams. Welcome back. Um, I am going to continue. Oh, I'm in the kitchen whipping it up. Obviously, I'm not in the studio at this time. Uh, Still going in our series on attachments. Um, Still reviewing the book five levels of attachment by Don Miguel Ruiz jr. If you don't have it on audible tap in, if you don't have it physically go on Amazon, I would assume that book is less than $15, probably like 10 or so. Cause it's not a long book. It's a four hour listen on audible. Oh, and also it's, it's something that I don't plug. Uh, I used to like years ago, but I still have the link. So if you guys don't have audible, like, I, you know, y'all know if y'all been listening to this podcast, I don't do commercials. As I was listening back, I realized, no, nah, I have done commercials, but it's it's only for brands and services that I really genuinely use. All right. Let's get back to it. But I really I really heavily mess with audible. Right. So. Uh, if you don't have audible, you down, you use my, uh, use my code. You get like a free month, right? A free book, right? So, um, it's audibletrial.com slash S X S N D L S. So the acronyms for the podcast, audibletrial.com slash S X S N D L S. Um, get a free credit for a free book on me and support the podcast at the same time. But uh, I've listened once again, like I said in the last episode, I have listened to this book, um, The Five Levels of Attachment, at least 10 times. Like I, I love this book and I've um, took taken extensive notes and I'm going to continue to speak from this uh, in my process of giving you all the insight of my creative process of creating new material, um, coming up with ideas and just thinking, how can I apply this? How can I help um, my people solve problems? Right. And so uh, let's get into it. The five levels of attachment are the authentic self, preference, identity, internalization, fanaticism. Right. And so essentially the premise of this book is to get you to think and get you to question. And that's what I want you all to do um, as we discuss or as I talk and as you listen. And also, um, I would love to hear your feedback on this. So uh, feel free to tap in with me on Instagram at Socks and Sandals podcast. Uh, Message me if you have any questions, comments. I would love to hear your feedback on what we're talking about today. All right. So once again, the question that this book asks you, are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you right so let me go over the five levels really quickly um and i intentionally am not talking about the authentic self and preference in detail because um they kind of speak for themselves and once again i noticed that folks are mostly polarized in the the further tiers the tiers three four and five identity internalization and fanaticism All right. Once again, are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you Um, going over the levels, though? The authentic self. um, 
says, I am a living being regardless of my knowledge, which exists only because I exist. Knowledge only exists because I exist. So I don't live for knowledge. Knowledge is just a tool that I use. And it's only and knowledge is only here because of me. So knowledge is not greater than me. I am greater than knowledge because I am a divine being. I am a part of the whole of the infinite. Okay. Um, level two preference. I use knowledge as a tool by which I engage my preferences in life. So at the second level of attachment, we still move with the awareness of our authentic self. We recognize our ability to attach ourselves to something as we engage in the present moment. But we are also able to let go of that attachment once the moment is passed. It's like, um, let's say you're not a sports fan. He gives a great analogy in the book. He talks about soccer. I'll talk about football. So let's say you're a sports fan. Um, me personally, I'm a 49er fan. Right. And so, um, but I've, I'm still working on this. If my son was here listening to me talk, he would be, he would give me the screw face. He'd probably be laughing right now, but I have a rigid uh, attachment to the 49ers. I hope to get to the, to the level where I just have a level of preference, but I, I, I really don't see that happening anytime soon. Cause um, I'm, I'm thoroughly attached to the 49ers for whatever reason. Uh, since the age of five, I have been, and it's grown even stronger as I become an adult. But essentially what I'm getting at is I want to be able to get to that level of attachment where I go to a game. I mean, maybe I don't, but like there, there are people, you know, that can go to a game like, like my wife, she can, she'll be at the level of preference where she's still herself, like her going her putting on a 49er jersey that i buy for her and her coming to a game and rooting for the 49ers and getting into the game it doesn't affect her mood <laughs> right like if the 49ers lose it means nothing to her like she's still however she felt before she went to the game she's probably feeling really good and she's happy to be out there and, en and enjoy the experience she can put off that mask or she can put off that preference and it not affect her whatsoever but she's there with me you know with her husband and having a good time and she can put off that preference and and it not affect her mood me on the other hand if the 49ers lose um, because i have an internal internalization level of attachment it means something to me and my mood is affected and it's hard for me to, <laughs> to not be negatively affected by the loss. And even when we win, there's so much anxiety that goes on. Um, my blood pressure spikes when I watch 49ers game. Right. So um, I say all that to say we want to be at a level of preference so that we can engage in the present moment. But then once that moment has passed, we can let go of that attachment. Uh, not just in sports, but in everything in life. Right. Um, at the level of preference, we see ourselves as a reflection of life and the dream of, uh, of the planet. And we attach and detach ourselves with ease simply by recognizing and letting go of that reflection. Right. Um, at at level two. We have the awareness that knowledge is a tool that provides us with the information we need to make choices about where we wish to place our attention and take action. But at this level, we don't distort the information we perceive and we are using it only in the moment. 
at this level, we don't forget that we're playing a game, which makes it easier for us to detach once the game is over. Knowledge at this stage, at the level of preference, is still our ally. It is not corrupted by our sense of self-importance or any form of conditional love. Our relationship with knowledge allows us to engage life as it is, not as we want it to be. Right. We are able to make choices with our reason as we perceive the difference between truth and distortion and knowledge as a clean and perfect reflection of life. So preference is where we want to be. Once again, it's like what the scriptures say, become all things to all men so that you may win them over, right? Use knowledge, don't let knowledge use you. Um, the last episode I talked about identity, right? Identity um, is where it says, I identify myself with knowledge, although I, let me, let me start over. I identify myself with knowledge, although I use it to see and understand the world. When it comes to understanding ourselves, our identity is a symbol that can be wrapped up and an expression of our knowledge. From the stance of knowledge, identity is the grounding sense of self that allows us to have our place in the dream of the planet. It gives us the point of reference from which we identify and engage with one another. But this identity is a mask that blurs our awareness of the authentic self. And that's what we don't we don't want to lose the awareness of our authentic self, of our, our of our divinity that we want to tap into. An attachment at this level occurs when we identify ourselves with knowledge. And once again, knowledge is supposed to be our ally. It's not supposed to be our master. And wanting to be heard by the dream of the planet, our voice takes on an identity to express itself or so we think when we use knowledge to construct the dream of us or the dream of the planet our identity is the mask by which the dream of the planet will understand us when speaking mind to mind knowledge recognizes knowledge so we become attached to the mask of our identity at this level we forget that the mask of our identity is an empty symbol just as language can change over time so too can our identity mask and that's what i was speaking about last week about um the black identity of the pro-black you know what that means how do we use it how does it use us and how does it change over time we can build a whole identity off a term or a relation to a term that is going to potentially change over time. I mean, history has shown us that we're not going to be black forever. <laughs> you know, black folks in America, we have been Negro. I forgot. I left out colored Negro colored, um, Afro American, African American. I mean, there was a negative connotation with black among us at a certain time. Right. And you don't you don't got to take that from me. You can read Dr. Joy's book or you could just look at some old 80s TV shows. You know what I mean? Like, um, but anyways, uh, as I digress, let me get back to the point. Um, as we increase our attachment to our identity, 
knowledge and consensus become very important to us to the point that they give us meaning in life. So we don't want to derive our meaning in life from knowledge and consensus because knowledge can be distorted. Um, knowledge will change over time and knowledge really only exists because we exist. It should serve us. We should not serve it. Once again, are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you? And I didn't even get into uh, the typical basis for identity because I was talking about just race uh, as it pertains to black folks in America, um, to my political group here in, in the States. But the typical basis for identity is skin color, nationality, religion, political party, sports teams, um, your profession, so on and so forth. So once again, identity is the mask that we see ourselves through and, and the mask that we present to the world. Um, but we don't want to let allow that uh, that knowledge to rule us. And then let's talk about internalization. All right. My identity in the form of my knowledge gives me the rules and guidelines by which I live my life. Internalization describes a degree of attachment to knowledge where our identity becomes the model in which we accept ourselves. Once again, internalization describes a degree of attachment to knowledge where our identity becomes the model in which we accept ourselves. So now we get into and I was I was alluding to that in the last episode. In the identity episode where it gets we, we get to the point of internalization. Where that mask, that black identity, how how pro black are you? If you did something that was not pro black, ooh, hold on. You know, when when the consensus says, mm, we go eh, black card revoked. <laughs> right? That that thing that we do in black American culture, like we take it, we take away black cards. We we treat blackness as something that is to be given and something that can be taken away, you know? And um, and we do that. We do that amongst ourselves. You know, I, I don't know if that's I don't know how sustainable that is. Right. I don't know how um, cross cultural that is. I can't speak for other cultures. Um, I don't know if white cards can be taken away. I don't know if Latina or Hispanic or Indian or Asian or whatever that means, like around the world. I don't know if those cards can be taken away. I don't know if a, a Ebo or Fulani car, I don't know. I don't know if those car. I don't know if that's a thing. Right. But I do know that is a thing in black American culture. Um, and especially when it comes to the, to the pro black, you know, you can lose your black car for uh, a number of offenses and we do it colloquially. I know it's not, I know it's more of a joke than it is a real thing, but it also, it does. Unfortunately, it does. It can at the level of internalization, it can actually affect, the choices that you make and the way that you express yourself. So it's this internal judgment, this conditional acceptance that we put on ourselves at the level of attachment of internalization, our narrators, those voices in our mind have begun to set the conditions by which we domesticate our identity. They measure our acceptance and rejection of ourselves 
and others based on the beliefs we use to construct the mask of our identity. We will distort the information we receive to reinforce the conditions of which we expect from life. The narrators also serve our need to validate who we are as well as how we face the present world. The narrators will also serve our need to validate who we are in our own mind as well as how we face the present world. So essentially knowledge is corrupted by trying to fit in in this conditional acceptance when we get to the level of internalization as it pertains to the black identity. Once again, I'm, I'm speaking in the level of black identity. I told a story about um, a friend of mine telling me how um, he knows me and he knows I'm pro-black, but the way that I present myself isn't pro-black. So I have this level of I can move around in, in different circles or whatever. And he thinks that's really cool. And but he's like, man, that's but but you are still pro black. But sometimes I don't think you are. But then you are. If I talk to you long enough, I realize, no, nah, you still. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like that's that's by design. Um, but also it's it is a change in uh, it's a shift in my mentality. It's a shift in my patterns of thought, speech and action. Um, it's a shift that came about by reading the five levels of attachment and wanting to. Um, operate in a level of preference and authenticity um, right it's it's an outgrowth of me reading the metal netter volume one and wanting to tap into that authenticity that asar level uh, on the on the tree of life right those spheres two and two and one on the tree of life right and tapping into that divinity because I understand that uh or I perceive the world and life to be a level or a, a function of a, a sp we are spiritual beings have a having a physical experience, which is a beautiful thing. Like if we think about humanity, um, being a man, being a woman, being a so-called Homo sapien, um, having this conscious and subconscious. Uh, awareness right this knowledge of, of how we operate and being able to think things and then create like we think of something and then we create it we think of a, a destiny and then we arrive there we think of a situation we map it out we write it down and then we create like we can do that like that is amazing right and so I want to be able to manifest on every level. I think we all, or at least if you're listening to this podcast, you're an entrepreneur. You're an emerging entrepreneur. You're an aspiring entrepreneur. Um, or you're just someone that just wants to be uplifted and wants to be empowered and wants to um, expose yourself to different levels of knowledge and, and levels of awareness. We all desire to be able to manifest constructively right and so one thing I've always known on my journey of manifesting and going to reaching higher and higher levels of, of consciousness in this life 
I said this years ago before I even came to the conclusions that I'm at now, but I realized that I have to talk about race and racism because like, honestly, I would, I would much rather just dive into quantum physics, right. And like spirituality and just talk about those things. But I realized that I, I, as a black man in America, I cannot just talk about those things, those higher levels until we unearth the foundation that everything has been laid as far as our knowledge base in America of who we are and what racism is and how it works. Because if we don't understand racism, what it is and how it works, everything else that we understand is only going to confuse us. Right. And so, yeah, I want to be the, the, the highest version of myself, but I have to understand what made me the patterns of thought, speech and action that I, that I have up to this point. Like, how did that come about? Who facilitated the world and society for me to think, speak and act in this way? Why do I think certain things about myself? Why do I attach myself to not necessarily the color of my skin, but my political identity? And why does that rule how I think, speak and act? Why? When did that start? Right. And so, you know, when did that level of internalization of blackness and blackity black? Like, why did I go from Christianity to pro blackness? <laughs> right. Like I I've actually I never asked myself that. Why did why did I go from Christianity, that level of attachment and fanaticism to pro blackness? Right. But it's like, what else have I been given in this country? What else have we been given? They gave us religion and they gave us entertainment, sports and entertainment and, and religion. Those are like the, the areas of activity that they kind of allow black folks to express themselves fully. Right. And so in, in entertainment, we always notice, you know, the the stereotyping of the entertainment industry. And we kind of if we act a certain way and we do, we express ourselves in a certain way, we'll get opportunities based upon that. Right. And so that's when you're kind of aware of your blackness, like, oh, no, you can only be this type of black or we only want you to talk this way or speak this way or whatever the case might be. And then when you go into the workplace, you know, you realize that your blackness isn't isn't accepted. Right. You can't just talk the way that I'm talking on this podcast. I may or, you know, we've been there have been uh, signals to say, oh, no, no, you don't pronounce your words like that. You pronounce your words like this. You use full sentences. Right. And so there's a, a level of code switching from just African-American vernacular English to, you know, uh, Webster's dictionary standard English, whatever, you know, whatever. So we go from talking in Comic Sans to talking in Times New Roman. <laughs> right. And so um, I say all that to say. There's a level of of internalization where knowledge rules us and we can't we can't ascend to manifest at our highest level if we get polarized as black people as we get if we get polarized in 
just blackness. Not to say it, it's it, not to say that we deny it. I will never deny it. Right. And we should never deny it because you can't. And there's no reason to at this point in time. We have to use knowledge. Don't let knowledge use us. So use it prefer preferentially like you don't we don't have we don't have to go outside and announce our blackness like you step outside you show up in the world you are what you are right at the end of the day if you authentically be yourself and you authentically engage with your family and your community and build with each other then you know it is what it is what's 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 that what's that that dope ass phrase like What's understood doesn't need to be explained or doesn't need to be said. Y'all, y'all know what I'm saying, right? But like what's understood doesn't need to be said, right? And so that's and that's how and that's kind of like the way I present myself to the world or I, I have been, I think, over the past year or so. It's like and I think that's what my friend was saying. It's like, bro, you don't really be out there just talking that blackity black stuff. You just like do things, <laughs> and it's like unless you start talking and somebody asks you questions or like we start chopping it up then you really kind of get into your bag but you're not just out there always pushing x y and z and 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 pushing the pushing the, the envelope you know for lack of a better term and i'm just like yeah man like i just you know I, I feel like we just have we can just be ourselves we don't have to always say i'm blackity black black the black and i'm you know it's just just do it because actions obviously speak louder than words and actions mean more than you know a twitter post or a instagram or facebook post like the consistency of your actions if you really want to produce a certain outcome then just do it right i don't have to march I don't have to protest and that's all due respect. We don't have to march or protest to prove how committed we are to ourselves and our community, right? A greater level of commitment is a lifestyle change and um uh and really a, a economic shift. Right? Of if there's multiple options to eat somewhere or to buy uh cleaning products or clothes or candles or whatever you know you you consider your community first black folks man like there's a lot of people that do a lot of things where you're buying pro we're buying products every day and we pass up on our people or don't even seek our people and i'm not saying like everybody is deserving of your money but at least know the options out there because if you go through and exhaust your options you're gonna find like oh actually you know what this is a this is a good this is a good price and it's a good product i'm i'm going with them like literally right now i got some um what is it called dirks we got the disinfectant wipes and we got the spray, right? And Dirks is a black brand. I found them on webuyblack.com. Um, and I got like the whole cleaning bundle uh, at one point in time. And now I just, from the cleaning bundle, you know, all those products I didn't necessarily, you know, but some of them I still rock with. And the and the cleaning products, the wipes and the spray, it's like, yo, this it, it works. And Dirks is uh, D-E-R-X. So I was like, yo, instead of, going straight straight to uh clorox which is 
you know, the household brand that everybody uses. And not to say we don't got, we got plenty of cleaning products. We ain't short for, we ain't never going to run out of cleaning products. That's one thing we're going to do in this house is, is going to be clean. It's going to be disinfected up in this thing, right? But we also have a black owned brand. You know, there's certain soaps and candles. Mr. OK's Essentials. Shout out to Precious. Shout out to my guy, Devon Horace, man. Like, if we're going to get candles in this house, at me me personally, I'm going to get theirs first, right? Um, and they got the the body butters and, and the soaps and whatnot. Um, so there's there's so many options where it's like we can choose that first. And that economic commitment, in my opinion, is more important than just making a statement and talking loud and making a stance verbally. So bringing that back, I kind of went on a tangent, but bringing that back to internalization, right? Um, once again, internalization describes a degree of attachment to knowledge where our, where our identity becomes the model in which we accept ourselves. Our knowledge is corrupted. Our sense of self is the personification of our beliefs and our will is subjugated by the need to fit in with the dream of others that are of this identity. Our mask is not, may not necessarily be in the form of our passion, but we will wear whatever mask we think we need to be accepted. And so when it comes to the pro black level of identity and internalization, don't get confused in the mask. Don't get lost in the consensus and don't don't not follow your dream because you feel like it's not the black thing to do. We got it. We got to get out of that. Don't set up your business and say, I'm only going to sell to black people. Now, granted, if your business is designed strictly for black people, that's cool. But specifically, let me talk about solving problems, not only for us, but where I'm at locally. I live in Portland, Oregon. I believe Portland is 3% black, maybe 4% black now, but 3% black. One of the biggest mistakes I see entrepreneurs, you know, emerging entrepreneurs, those that are in business for the first three years, if it's not a barbershop or um, hairstylist or something, you just basic products, goods, and services. Um, we only focus on black people as it pertains to our target market. And that's cool. But when you live in the city that is 97% non-black, there's a lot of money in Portland. There's a lot of um, tourism in Portland. We are putting ourselves out of business by not understanding that it's you're not not black if you appeal to everybody. You're still black. Your business is still black. You are still you. Even if your green dollars or your digital dollars come from non-black people. Okay. Don't let that level of identity and internalization and that conditional acceptance of who you are and your blackness and how real you are. Yo, get money, survive as a business, build up your base. Get employees, 
at the end of the day, you need if you're going to start a business, you need to thrive and give yourselves give yourself as many opportunities to thrive as possible. But don't get caught up in not being black enough and not being real enough and not all of that, all that conditional stuff that we put on ourselves as a people. Right. Like it's just it's not it's not going to going to help you in the long run. It's only going to hurt you. And I don't want to compare us to nobody else. You guys can do the comparisons and see what what other groups come into whose neighborhood and does what type of business and who's doing well, and who's not who's not doing well. And what groups are they still accepting themselves as X, Y and Z group, even though, even though they do business in such and such neighborhood? Are they no longer that nationality? Are they no longer? You, you see where I'm going? I'm not trying to call nobody. I'm not trying to um, compare us directly. I'm not, I don't want to get caught up in that. But what I'm saying is the level of internalization of blackness and that black identity where it's a conditional acceptance of ourselves and it's us trying to plug into a consensus we're hurting ourselves okay so i feel like i've been talking in circles i hope you guys have caught the vision caught the spirit of what i'm trying to say i hope this has helped you once again if you have any comments if this has helped you or if you just want to challenge any notions because i am working through this material this is this will eventually be a workshop right and so this is like you know when the comedians are going to comedy clubs and they're getting off their material and sometimes they kind of bomb you know <laughs> or it just doesn't go over that well i am sharpening this information um so i would love to hear your thoughts your comments your feedback on uh, what you think is good or what more you would want what points you would want to hear more about uh, what would you want to hear explained um, better or, or in more detail? All of that is greatly appreciated. Um, all constructive criticism or even just criticism. Criticism is welcome. I promise you, like this is this is what I need this is what I want. So um, interact with me on Instagram socks and sandals podcast. Message me. Holla at me. Um, let's talk. So once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next time. Grace and peace.